Well, uh, we were so blessed to have Bishop bring the word of faith, and I've just been meditating on that word. It was such a good word. Um, I felt like we were to dig deeper into this. We're, in, we're, in a, we're on a journey right now, the next six months. Again, if you're available on Wednesdays uh, for intercession, come from 9 to 1030 in our prayer room. Um, we're on a six-month journey. We, we, we've been doing intercession. This is my 21st year here. We've been interceding uh, as a group, but we're about to enter into a place in the next six months. We are, we are literally going to take back land in ways that are spiritually been in darkness. The Lord's given us some really clear assignments. When Jack Taylor and Leif Hetland were here, they prophesied that. Um, so anyway, I just encourage you to stay in that place and join us uh, in, in encouraging both for the taking back of the land. We want to see the city transformed. So when the last three weeks, uh, the last two weeks, we really looked at the law of faith out of Romans 3.27. There's a law or principle of faith that we looked at, and it was wonderful examples. I just felt, when I was praying about it this week, Lord, what, what is the depth of this? And there's a scripture that just leapt out at me, and I've titled it in your handout. If you look at it, if you don't have a handout, I'd encourage you to get one uh, and turn it over, make some notes. I want to lead us into this. It says in the scriptures four times, the just shall live by faith. The just, another word for that is the righteous. Uh, the communion this morning, I think it's like 13 times in Romans chapter 3, 4, and 5, Paul says you have been made right. You are the righteousness of Christ by faith in him. And so the righteous, the just, shall live by faith. Boy, that is a jam-packed scripture. It's in um, four different places. Once in the Old Testament in Habakkuk, we'll look at that in a little bit, and then it's three times in the New Testament, both in Romans and Galatians um, and also in Hebrews. And so the just shall live by faith. Let me, um, let me try to unpack this. There's, there's something about knowing something and also doing something about it, Right? Did mama ever tell you, eat your vegetables? Right? Well, if you don't eat your vegetables, right, uh, exercise. How many of you know exercise is a good thing? It covers a multitude of sinful practices of eating that may not be good for you, right? But it's one thing to know to eat your vegetables and exercise, and it's another thing to get off the couch and do it. Right? And so there's something about understanding the law of faith and the application of faith. That's why the just shall live by faith. So we're going to look at this um, in, in some later, in some depth this morning, and probably next week as well. We'll see how far I get on this. I didn't want to shortchange it. Let me ask a question. Is faith an idea, a concept, or a substance? Is it an idea? Is it a concept? I think it's both. Right? If, uh, let me, example, um, this may be a little controversial, but I'm not going to apologize. Um, America is an idea. We just celebrated our birthday, right? 1776. America was based and built on a principle, an idea of freedom and justice for all. Have we all always in our background lived under full justice and freedom for all? No. It's still a good idea and a concept. 
But the application of the good idea means that you have to have, you have to give women the right to vote. Was it 100 years, right? The civil rights movement, freedom for all. We, even though we are imperfect, the concept and the idea is a good one, but the application of that is the walk of faith. There is a just there, but you must walk by faith to get there. It's the same principle. You may know what is good and what is right, but the application is what justifies by faith. And so we're going to unpack this. So if faith is a concept and it's also a substance, can faith be measured? Faith can be measured. Now, it's interesting. What, what is, how does God, what's the yardstick on that? How, how does God, God measure faith, right? It's like, and so, but if you look in Romans 12, 3, you don't need to turn there. I'll just read this to you. The Apostle Paul says this. It says in Romans 12, 3, I give you this warning. Interesting. Don't think of yourselves better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. King James says, think soberly. Measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given you. Measure yourselves by the faith God's given you. Now, Lord, that's, not as, that's about as clear as mud. So how... King James says it this way, God has dealt to everyone, he says in Romans 12, 3, God has dealt to everyone the measure of faith. Think soberly about this. Think about it. Meditate on this. Take an honest evaluation of your faith level. Now, we know, we take apart Scripture in a couple of places. It says, so we know from Romans, it says there's a measure of faith. Everyone has been given a measure of faith. When I think of that, I think of Solomon in, in, uh, in Ecclesiastes where he says, God has placed the thought or the, the essence of eternity in the, in the heart of every human being. You will think about your eternity. This life is not all there is, right? Dress rehearsal. But so there's this measure of faith. But then he tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 9, there's a gift of faith, right? And it's, it's partnered with faith, healing, and miracles, the gift of faith operated, I believe, when Moses, standing on the river, the Red Sea, and here comes Pharaoh and the army, and he lifts up his staff, and the sea opens. I would say he was operating at that point under the gift of faith. He was, there, was a, there was a supernatural presence of the gift of faith that operated. There's times when we hear of the miracles of God, when things are happening, and, and people step into this supernatural presence of the gift of faith. But we also know that faith is a fruit. In Galatians chapter 5 and 22, it says, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He speaks of faith or faithfulness. And so, if God does his part of giving us a measure of faith, how do we get more faith? Reading his word. The scripture that Bishop shared, right? Aha! Faith comes by hearing, and by hearing the Word of God. So Bishop really hit this. It said, faith comes when you hear the Word of God. Now, we know that Jesus is the Word, right? John 1. He's the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us, right? He's the Word. So He likes to speak, right? I would think He likes to speak to His people. My sheep hear my voice. So we also know, He said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we also know, if you remember the scripture I had you memorize during our fast, 
a few, about a month ago, in Hebrews 12, right? He is the author and the finisher of our faith, Hebrews 12. And so if he's the author and the finisher, we set our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith. So he is the foundation and the finishment of our faith. Faith in Christ is the only reason you will ever live eternally. Correct? So he's the author and the finisher. And so we know by faith, we hear the word. Faith comes by hearing. How did you get saved? Well, there was a measure of faith and you were drawn by the Holy Spirit. But someone either witnessed to you, you heard a sermon, you saw something, something was moving in your life circumstantially, you got into a vulnerable place and you said, I receive, right? So that faith came by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, it says, if we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a confession unto mouth, and there's this place. So hearing and listening, hearing and listening, and then the profession of that faith is powerful. So we get more of it by hearing the word of truth, which is Christ, the word of God, this scripture. So you got to get, get hearing this thing, right? you got to get it in here, right? you got to hear it, and then you got to profess it. And so faith comes by hearing. We know from Hebrews 12, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher. So another question would be, how important is faith? Foundational, right? So let me ask this then. If, if it's so important, getting more of it, would that faith impact the quality and the outcome of your life? Without faith, it's impossible, right? Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible. 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 Let's, let's look at one of our favorite characters. This has been prophesied recently. Take a look at Joshua. Let's turn there. Joshua chapter 1. One of the great generals of faith. You know, Joshua spent 40 years under the mentorship of Moses, <laughs> I love it, and it's in Exodus 33 where it says, Moses would go in and have communication with God face to face. Now, wow, what was that like? And it says in Exodus 33, you can look there, it says, Joshua, the son of Nun, would come. Moses would go back. He'd get information from the, Father, from the Lord. He would go back to the people. And it says, Joshua, the son of Nun, stayed in the tent of meeting. Hmm. And so when it comes time for Joshua to take over, we see in the end of Deuteronomy there, it says, my servant Moses is dead. Verse 9 of, Exodus, of Deuteronomy 34, it says, now Joshua, the son of Nun, full of the spirit of wisdom, Moses had laid hands on him so that the people of Israel would obey him just as they had obeyed Moses. Then Joshua takes his assignment. And he, we see in Joshua chapter 1, let's look at verse 6. Famous scripture, familiar scripture, be strong and courageous for you are the one that will lead these people to possess the land that I swore to their ancestors and I will give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful now to obey the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, either from the right or the left. Now here's how you become successful. Then you will be successful in everything you do Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night 
so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it, only, only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. So how important is this faith in the word and the obedience? That's why the just, the righteous, shall walk by faith. So let's, let's look at your outline. And Jesus, he, this is an interesting statement he makes. It's actually almost a cry maybe of frustration. I won't have you turn. Well, I'm going to have you turn there. Keep your finger. Uh, well, we looked at Joshua. Turn with me to Luke 18.8 for a moment. I wasn't going to go there, but I think we should. Luke 18.8. Interesting scripture about injustice and how long will God put up with injustice. When you look at what's going on in the earth, you might say, how long, oh God? Right? How long? You're going to put up with this mess. And we know that he told us, and Peter says, he's not slack concerning the promise, but that more might come into the kingdom, right? So we know he's got a plan. But here was this woman. She went to this judge who's, he's actually a really not a good judge. He's unjust. But this woman keeps bothering her all, him all the time. In Luke 18, there was a judge. Verse 2, it says, a judge in a certain city said, I don't fear God and I don't really care about the people. But this widow in the city comes and repeatedly says to me, give me justice in dispute with my enemy. The judge ignores her. Finally said to her, I don't fear God. I don't care about people. What a great judge. Um, But this woman's driving me crazy. I'm going to see she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from the unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think... God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will you keep putting them off, I tell you? He will grant justice to them quickly. Now, this is an interesting question. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Now, I don't know where you are in your theology, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, no-trib, you know, pan-trib. In the assumption that one day the Lord's going to, in Thessalonians, is going to take his church out of this mess, right? We spent months looking at that on a Wednesday night. So, all right, so let's assume that the rapture of the church, the disappearance, the, the, the pulling out of the church happens. At that point, a whole lot of faith just left the earth, Right? That's why he says that which is holding back is holding in Thessalonians, right? He says is holding back then evil, that which is already at work is at work. And so it's interesting if when Jesus says, when I return, will I find any with faith in the earth? So it's pretty important, that, that righteous living by faith. And so I just put that out as it's important. He, wanted, he asked a question, I wonder when I come back, how many will I find that still have faith? Now, we know that's going to wax worse and worse, and we studied the book of Revelation for months, and, you know, that's, you can study that. So, when we look at it, faith and belief and obedience to this godly standard is what justifies, and I want to unpack this. So, let's now turn to um, Romans chapter 1, and let's look at what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 1, 
Let's, um, let's begin in verse 8. Love to hear the turning of pages. <laughs> Call me old-fashioned. <laughs> All right. Romans, uh, Romans 1, 8. I'm going to bounce. I'll have the King James, but I'm going to read the New Living Translation, the thought for thought versus the word for word, and we'll go back on the other. It says, let me say this first, verse 8. I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Just to kind of set the stage for you, Paul had not been to Rome yet. A church had been planted. Um, the, the theologians believe that this was a church plant from someone who had been converted in the Acts outpouring, Acts chapter 2. And they believe that this was a church plant by by this particular person. And so Paul had a desire to go to Rome, and for some reason he had been prevented. He doesn't elaborate on it, but we'll read that. It says, So let me say in verse 8, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because of your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. Isn't that awesome? What a great report. How would you like to hear, and we do occasionally, the faith of those in Wilmington is being heard of all over. Right? People who come down I-40 say the light, when I hit New Hanover, it's like the light was brighter here. I don't know about all people who say they're moving here because God said so. I like that. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son. One of the things I always pray for is an opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you a spiritual gift, some spiritual gift, that will help you grow in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. That's good. Paul wanted, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. See, something happens when we come together. We share the testimony of what God is doing. We see breakthroughs. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, verse 13, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit just as I have among other Gentiles. For I have a great sense of obligation to the people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and the uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome to preach the good news. For I am not ashamed of this good news. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, now I'm in King James, to the Jew first and to also the Greek. For therein is righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. It is written. And so he's actually quoting Habakkuk chapter 2 there. That was the writings. It was in the historical record there of the great prophet Habakkuk in 600 B.C. Paul is quoting, it's written in Scripture, therefore, the just shall live by faith. It's been established by God. It's written down in the Holy Scriptures. So when we look at this particularly, he says, the just shall live by faith. Well, let me look at your outline for a moment. This same Scripture is used four times in Habakkuk 2.4, and we're going to turn there in a minute. Romans, which I just read, Galatians 3.11, and also in Hebrews 10.38. Each word has a very significant meaning. First of all, the just 
or the righteous? Well, we just spent communion. Who are the righteous? What establishes righteousness? Salvation, faith in Christ. It was counted unto Abraham, right? Righteousness. You have been made righteous by the blood of Christ and your belief in him. That faith, that salvation, that belief, that concept, that's, that is my trust. What, what is faith? Faith is a trust. It's a confidence in that he said it and it is true, therefore I believe it. That is the righteousness counted unto you. As, now, you might say, well, do the devils believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yeah, they do. But it's not counted unto righteousness. What's the difference? <laughs> Well, we're going to talk about faith, the substance of that faith becoming transformational, that your life, what, we can get in this whole debate in the tension of Scripture. What does uh, James say? I will show you my faith by my works, right? So if you don't have any work in your life into your kingdom, something's not right, right? But we also know from Paul in Ephesians 2, it's by grace that you've been saved by faith not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, lest anybody would boast. So you can't say, well, I do all this, I do There's a lot of philanthropists. They give millions. They give. That, that's really nice, and I'm glad they have a social network of helping people. And that's a good thing. It's good deeds. In fact, it says in Revelation, on Judgment Day, they will be, the dead will be judged by their works. So if there's degrees of punishment, you, conceptually, you can look at that. They're still in hell, okay? I don't know if the fire is at one degree. I don't know, all right? But it does say that the dead will be judged. Revelation 20, they will be judged by their works. But works will never save you. But if you're saved, there better be works, right? You can't sit on a pew, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Great. The devils believe in Jesus too. So there's something about, wait a minute. If the, if the just shall live by faith, when then will he know that there's this stuff that goes on in the earth? And we'll, we'll see this, but we'll see from the just and the righteous. Habakkuk uses the word, and it's a Jewish word called sadig. I have it on your outline there. That Hebrew word sadig is an adjective. It's descriptive. It's found 206 times in the Old Testament. And it is justified by those who act in such a way that their behavior meets God's legal standard. Now let that go down a minute. There is, there's a God-given standard. Now, it's not by behavior that I get saved. Good works doesn't qualify me. It's by the blood of Jesus that qualifies me. But there's something about my qualification that I now live by that sets a godly standard that the justified ones will live and walk by it. Right? And so... This is the tension in Scripture. Let's read on. It says, in number two there, it says, the word shall live implies a current and active behavior. It's not they used to live by faith. It is shall live. It is right now. Now, we had a whole debate. You know, we've done this many. Are you once saved, always saved, or can you lose salvation? I'm not going there this morning. We've argued that. We, you know, the whole church has been around that one, Right? But it seems to imply there's an activity of your faith that is still active. It also implies, if you look at the shall live, implies spiritually there's an abiding relationship with God, even beyond physical death. I, I, quote, I got a three scriptures there. In Romans 6, 2, it says in number 2, 
it, there's a, they, Paul goes on, he says, I lived my God-given, in God-given holiness. I have, Paul says, he says, I've run my race. I have done what God's called me. Basically, I am not ashamed of what I've done. I have pursued it. I have gone after this. Even though I may be the least of it, I've worked the hardest, right? So he, he goes on, he says, We've been, he had an abiding faith, Paul did, right up until his martyrdom. And so we also see that it says in uh, Revelation, in, well, in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1, 12 there, it says, there is a place of that living and abiding in Christ. And then I quoted in Revelation 20, that judgment that will come. By faith, let's turn, this is the hall of faith, again, a familiar scripture, but I want us to pull out of this, I want to call out of this, turn with me to Hebrews 11. And I want you to see how many times the word by faith is used. Hebrews 11, this is examples of faith or the hall of faith. It's the description of centuries and centuries of the faithful. Let's look in Hebrews 11.1. 1. We'll start there. Faith, I'm going to read in King James word for word on this. says, Faith is a substance of things that are hoped for, the evidence of things that are not seen. The elders obtained by it, the elders by it obtained a good report. Just think about that for a minute. It's a substance, and it's an evidence. It's something we hope for, but it's also an evidence. And these elders that he's about to describe, they got a good report. In fact, other places in Scripture says it qualified them. How's your qualification doing? Interesting. Got quiet here in a moment. I've asked that same question. I'm, like, I'm preaching right here. Don't, don't worry about it. There's no one holier than thou, right? Okay, let's, it says, through faith, verse 3, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So that the things are, which are seen were not made by the things which do appear. Remember, that, that's Bishop shared out of um, Romans 4.17. We call those things that be not as though they were. Right? We walk by faith, not by sight. Right? Everything you see, it, it didn't come from the natural realm. Right? It was created by it. So the unseen world, right? We, we know that. And so it says, now he goes on and says... Verse 4, by faith, Abel offered unto God more excellent sacrifices than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Now that is interesting. God testifying of his gifts, and by being, it, he, being dead, he yet speaks. His witness was righteous, more excellent sacrifice than Cain. New Living says, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven. Without dying, he disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. It says he walked with God, right? 
Verse 6, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Everybody say that. It's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please Him. Amen. We're going somewhere in this because we're asking the Lord to raise the faith level of the house. That we can call those things that be not as though they were. Right? And so we're on this journey right now. The Lord is downloading an increase, a desire. We're hearing the Word of God, and by faith, hearing the Word of God, a faith level ought to rise in your battles. It has to rise so that when you're on the street or you're confronted with something that has to, it looks impossible at this point. We have to speak faith into that. Right? So this is where it says by faith. It says, Enoch, who walked with God, right? Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Verse 7, it was by faith Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened. By this faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that would, God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and everywhere he reached the land of God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. That's Revelation 21, 22, by the way. The eternal city that's coming down from God. Verse 11, it was by faith that Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and too old. She believed God. Now, this is interesting. I love the account here. We know Sarah went, <laughs> yeah, what old man? <laughs> right? She laughed. But, hey, she participated. Hallelujah. I'll just leave that there. Okay. She believed that God would keep his promise, and so a whole nation came from this man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people like the stars at the sky and the sand of the seashore, there is no way to count them. Verse 13, all these people died, still believing that God had a promise them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance. This is eye has not seen, ear has not heard, but I know it by the Spirit, right? They could see by the Spirit. There was, a, there was a holy city. There was a promise coming. They did not receive it. It was promised. They saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads on earth. Verse 14, obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. Whoa. Whoa. If they had longed for the country they came from, they would have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. So what homeland are you pursuing? Right? It's that greater place. It's that heavenly homeland. We are foreigners, sojourners, citizens of another land. Right? You are not of this world. God has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. 
And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, who when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed and worshiped as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die so confidently by the people of Israel, would leave Egypt, even commanded them to take his bones with them when he left. It was by faith, you see, he knew. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people. He chose to share that instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead for his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover, sprinkle the blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the, dead, the Red Sea, through the, where the dry land and ground. When the Egypts tried to follow, they drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people of her city who refused to obey God, for she was given a friendly welcome to by the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle, put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from the death. But there were others, tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, backs torn open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some sawed in half. Others were killed by the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute, oppressed, mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people, verse 39, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God promised, for God had something better in mind for us, so that we would not reach perfection without us. And here's the scripture we memorized. Therefore, seeing that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. Let us run with patience the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down 
at the right hand of the throne of God. Come on. That oracle of faith, the challenges, the conflict, the injustice, all of you, we could take the whole day and talk through our testimonies. Man, I, when I do prayer ministries and inner healing counseling, the stories I hear of the injustice and the brokenness and the abuse, God is faithful. And it is part of your faith walk. The fact that you're still in the fight is part of your reputation that's been qualified. You haven't given up the faith. Even though, let's turn to Habakkuk. This He's my favorite guy this week. What a strange guy, but look, let's look at Habakkuk. That's that minor prophet right after Nahum. So go back to Micah and turn, keep going right. Then you got Nahum, Habakkuk, right? Just before Zephaniah, only three chapters, Habakkuk. Interesting that he quoted this. In fact, when Paul quotes this, it is written, he's, he's taken it from here. And he says, in Habakkuk, first let me give you a setting on this, because um, I think it's important for us, for where we are right now, as a nation and as a body of believers. When you look at what's going on, the martyrdom of the Christian saints today is greater than maybe any time in history. I heard a, test, uh, a documentary the other day of the number of uh, the Yazidis and those, the Christians that are being destroyed. There was a, an organization that had come on, I think it was on Fox, and they, they were declaring how much ISIS and how much persecution has gone on currently. Wiped out whole generation of families, churches, thousands of years of history. And so we know what the enemy's trying to do, <laughs> right? All this stuff is moving towards one world government for what Jesus proclaimed would come. He's coming. The Antichrist is on. He, he, there are Antichrists already. He told us Matthew 21, Luke 20, Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13. He told us what was going to happen, right? So what, well, you should not be surprised. I was talking to a brother this morning. He goes, it's amazing to see it all unfolding, this whole conflict with Iran, the conflict with Russia, and what's taking place. That's all Ezekiel's prophecy, the Ezekiel war. That is right coming. It's coming, right? The alignment is already here. <laughs> so I don't know how long we'll be here, but Habakkuk... He was living in a time where the unrighteousness and the immorality, you know, all this stuff with the gay pride parades and all this stuff, it's like, good Lord, right? This injustice, this ungodliness that is here, already at work. Well, Habakkuk was in the same place, 600 B.C. At this point, Judah is in a mess. There's murder, there's violence, there's, and he's like, God, how long are you going to put up with this? How can, he asked this, how can a just God put up with this for how long? And God answers Habakkuk, he goes, well, I'm raising up an unjust nation called the Babylonians. They're going to take care of you. Then he goes, why would you use an unjust nation that's even worse? To, he goes, I'm going to take care of all of it. I'm going to take all of it all, take care of all of it. And I love what Habakkuk says. He goes, that's good enough for me, basically. Habakkuk says, I don't need to know all the answers. I just know you're a just God. And there is a justice coming. He knows all your injustice. He knows everything that's happened to you. He knows it all. And he's a God of justice and he will restore. He's got all eternity to pay back every bit of the injustice. You keep your hope and your faith in that. 
and re- realize he's good. And that's what Habakkuk is. Okay, I don't understand how you do it or why you do it. That's right. My ways are not your ways. They're higher than your ways, right? And so he says, but he, Habakkuk asks that question. Look at verse 1. He goes, in, in chapter 1, in uh, verse 5, he goes, the Lord replies, look around to all the nations and look amazed. I'm doing something in your day, something you wouldn't even believe if I told you, if someone told you about it. I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. And like, huh? You're going to take care of our injustice in Israel and all of the, un- the unrighteous sinful behavior by raising up another sinful nation. Hmm. Do we have any other thing in history, right? We know possibly the Nazis. What happened? At the consequence of the Holocaust, Israel got its land. Fulfilled how many hundreds of prophecies in the Scripture? Come on. His ways are not ours. It looks like, Lord, why, why the, per- the persecution and death of six million Jews? I don't know. But he's good. Real simple faith. God is good. The devil's bad. That's all you need to know. Right? So now he says, look around. He says, I'm going to conquer this. He goes, well, okay. Um, Then he goes in chapter (laughs) 2. He goes, and Habakkuk says, I'm going to climb up in my watch tire, and I'm going to stand a post, a guard post, and I'm going to see what the Lord says and how he'll answer my complaint. The Lord's second reply to me. Write the answer plainly on the tablet so a runner can carry this message, and you can correct the others. The vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. It seems slow in coming. Wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Look at all the proud and the the arrogant, the crooked. But the righteous, they will live by faithfulness in God. You see all this stuff that goes on. How many times people complain with, how come they have all this good stuff and they have all this money and they're they're living like hell and this has got all... And I... The just shall live by faith, right? He knows the scales and he'll tip them. He goes, goes on, he goes, verse 5, wealth is treacherous and the arrogant are never at rest. They open their mouths as wide as the grave and like death they are never satisfied. In their greed they have gathered up many nations and swallowed up many peoples. He goes on, he goes later in verse 14, but the glory of the Lord will fill the earth like the waters cover the sea. I love that. And then Habakkuk ends in a prayer in chapter 3. He talks about the mighty crying out with hands lifted up to God in verse 10. The sun and the moon will st- and the sky and all the brilliant arrows flew and glittered and spears flashed and they marched across the land. You went out in verse 13 to rescue your chosen people, to save your anointed ones. And you crushed the heads of the wicked and stripped their bones from head to toe. Wow. They thought they had Israel's prey. And then he ends with this amazing faithful statement. Verse 17. Even though the fig tree has no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine and even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren and even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty... Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength, and he makes me sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. This is the prayer accompanied by stringed instruments. 
man, Habakkuk, what, man, I can relate to this guy. It's like, God, don't you see all the mess? Aren't you? How can you put on? He goes, be quiet, son. I got it. I got this. And I know how to make it all work out. And so that's a message for all of us. When you look out there and say, wow, Lord, do you see all the evil? Yeah, it's going to wax worse and worse. The love of many is going to grow cold. It's going to get to that place and says, well, I find faith on the earth when I come back. Yes. If we're still here when you come, yes. Lord, we want to be the faithful ones. We want to have our names written in that hall of faith. So look at number four on your outline. Faith is a substance. It's measurable. It's great and it's small. We look at I got five minutes. Let me, let's turn, turn with me to Matthew 8. Matthew chapter 8. And let's look at what God calls, Jesus calls, great faith and small faith. We already said one of the ways we can obtain it is by hearing the word of God. Okay, in Matthew 8, we know, you're, again, familiar scripture, and, and Bishop shared with this a little bit on verse 5. It says, the faith of the Roman officer. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and terribly in pain. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come to my home, into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this and do that, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. People will come from all over the world, east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast of the kingdom of heaven. Woohoo! But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go, because you believe what had happened, and the young servant was healed that same hour. This authority of faith, knowing who Christ is by his name. Let's turn, keep go, go to the right to Matthew 17. In Matthew 17... Right after the transfiguration, there's a demon-possessed boy. There's an account of this in Mark 9, which even goes into more detail. But in, in Matthew 17, Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy. Verse 14, at the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus, that's humility, and he said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures, suffers terribly. He's often falls into the fire, into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Now, Jesus, this is one of the most frustrating statements I think Jesus makes in Scripture. He got angry at the Pharisee, called him a bunch of dead bones and sepulchers, right, whitewashed bones. But here he turns to his disciples and he says, you faithless and corrupt people. That doesn't sound graceful. How long must I be with you, and how long must I put up with you? Now, if you look at his frustration, it's anchored in the fact 
that he had laid hands on them. He had given them authority. He said, go, go by two by two. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the leper. Preach the word. He gave it to him. He gave it to him. He gave it to him. And then he released him to go do it. And then when he hears that they can't, his reaction is, you're faithless. And perverse. Whoa. How long? Bring the boy. Then Jesus rebuked the demon and the boy left him. From that moment, the boy was well. Afterwards, the disciples came and asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out the demon? You don't have enough faith. Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. If you have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it would be done. It would move. Nothing would be impossible. Nothing would be impossible. Nothing would be impossible. Turn with me to Mark 9 for a minute. Let's go to the right. Just the, the account of Mark's gospel on this goes into a little more detail. Jesus has the same response in verse 19, Mark 9, 19. Jesus says to them, you faithless people, how long must I put up, be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So when the boy was bought, the evil spirit saw Jesus and threw the child into a violent convulsion to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. Since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. The father says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I got a measure, but I don't have enough. And obviously, either to your disciples, right? When, this, when Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, the spirit makes the boy unable to speak in here. And he says, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. The spirit screamed, threw him into a violent convulsion, and left him. The boy appeared dead. A murmur ran through the crowd. He's dead. Jesus took him by the hand, helped him up to his feet, and he stood. Afterwards, when Jesus was alone in the house with the disciples, they asked, why couldn't we do it? cast out the evil spirit. Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Interesting. Two of the accounts in the gospel say prayer and fasting. There's something about faith in prayer and fasting. You don't find people that are not faithful doing a whole lot of fasting. Right? You don't find a whole lot of unfaithful people praying a whole lot either. There are degrees of demonic realms. We've seen this. I'll cover this next week. Um, when we've been around the world and we run the deliverance tents, many of you have been with us there as well. There's a, there are different degrees of darkness. And if, if the young disciples knew in their faith, they had not really experienced possibly a whole lot of demonic experiences before. But he says, you need more faith. See, what I have found is, and what I believe the Lord is doing right now in our body here, in this house, is He's imparting a level of faith. We're hearing the Word. We're seeing the Scriptures. We're, we're hearing the testimonies, and we would dare to believe that God said this, and He could do it, Amen. that all things are possible. Amen. Even if we haven't seen it, that doesn't mean we don't stop. We're like the woman who annoys the unjust judge. God is just. 
If we keep bombarding heaven, keep praying, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, the door shall be opened. Keep praying, keep fasting. This is where God wants to take us as a body. And so, why don't we stand to our feet? I'm going to invite the ministry team, I'll invite our worship team to come back up. We're going to do part two of this next week. We'll, we'll want to look at a, more scripture, and I want us to continue. The, the word faith is used, I think it's 360 times in the King James and 468 in the NIV. No, 389 times the word faith is used in the New King James, 458 times in the NIV. I would ask that you would meditate on faith this week, especially in your quiet times when you're battling against the stuff that is causing you to be anxious, the things that are unfinished. It's the finances. It's the wayward child. It's the sickness. It's that place where, God, I ask you to intervene in this. I'm, I'm believing my faith has substance here. And we bombard heaven, walking in faith, asking God to do what he said exceedingly abundantly above. You might even want to write that scripture down in Ephesians. It says, he does exceedingly and abundantly above everything we'd ask or even think. Quote that, declare it, and then see what God will do. Lord, I pray now, Father, that you are a God of faithfulness. We read the Hall of Faith, and God, I'm asking you to release an anointing and a blessing over your people here. I want to read to you out of Jude a prayer that Jesus' brother, half-brother, Jude. God, I pray that, Lord, you'll use us as those who will rescue others from the flames. Jude writes in verse 22, he says, You must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering and rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. God, if there's those that have given up on faith or they're in such a hard place that they just need someone to come alongside, and we, we know what encouragement that can be, that we would be able to reach out, show mercy. He says, be careful that you don't get caught up in their sin that contaminates them. Now unto him who's able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, power, both now and forevermore. Amen. God, I pray that you'll bless this week. Lord, open the doors of faith, opportunities, divine appointments. If you have something going on in your life right now, we want to gang up. It says, if two or three would agree is touching, it shall be done for them. So, Lord, I pray right now that don't leave here without having someone pray for you. Our ministry team is here. Come into agreement for those things that are either bothering, attacking, destroying. We want to get rid of those three Ds, depression, despair, and discouragement. 
because they are diabolical. They're anti-faith. And so, Lord, I pray a blessing over your people now. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Don't miss Wednesday night. Screenagers here. That'll be an amazing time, I think, of impartation of revelation. And then we'll be back a week from Wednesday. We're going to look at the bait of Satan. If you have not been involved in that teaching, come and see that. It's going to be great.